Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by TaylorMade. I'm Rex, he's Lav, and Lav... We have a plan. It's not a perfect plan. It's probably not even a complete plan, but we have a plan to return to play. It's in its 37 pages, a lot to cover here. PGA Tour released what's called their health health and safety plan that'll go into effect at Colonial in June, whenever they start back with the PGA Tour schedule. Let's start off the top. What stands out to you? I think the comprehensiveness uh, stands out first and foremost. As you mentioned, it was 37 pages it covers every conceivable aspect of PJ tour life. And so for the story that I just wrote on GolfChannel.com, I know you had a different angle, but I, I walked us through from start to finish what life is going to be like for a PJ tour player during tournament week. And it is exhausting because the work is going to be begin a week before you even think about heading to colonial and Fort worth for the start of this Charles Schwab challenge with, with taking an at home test. You have to let the tour know, uh, who, what essential personnel you want to have on site. And that's just beginning the process. Once you get there, you have the layers of screening. You have, you're going to be having temperature checks every single day. You're going to be filling out questionnaires. There's an exhaustive list of social distancing guidelines you're going to have throughout the practice rounds. And of course, during the, the tournament competition rounds as well. So I think what stood out to me most was just the comprehensiveness. I have to give the PJ tour credit. They seem to have thought of everything over these past couple of months to make it somewhat feasible that you could have a PJ Tour return. Now, I think, and, and we will on this podcast, quibble with some of the finer points of what the PJ Tour plan is, but you cannot knock them for just the level of detail that went into this. All right, you threw me off. You, you completely threw me with this because at, at exactly 4.52 p.m. yesterday, you sent me a text that read, Oh my, that plan is underwhelming. So what changed your mind? Look, I can, those, those two are not mutually exclusive. The plan is very extensive and it's comprehensive, but we can, and we will quibble with some of the details. And, and for me, the biggest one, and look, we've said on this podcast testing. We're, we're a gonna get number into of times now, sure. testing, testing, testing. There it it all comes down to what the PJ tour was able to do with testing. And to me, I thought that aspect of what the PGA Tour plan is, is extremely underwhelming. And so on our teleconference today with, with PGA Tour officials, I asked the question, why are we only going to have one viral test? And by viral test, I mean a, a nasal swab or a saliva test upon arrival for players and caddies and whoever else is deemed into the PGA Tour bubble. And for the rest of the week, including during the tournament, players are only going to be subjected to questionnaires and temperature checks. Knowing what we 
know, Rex, about asymptomatic carriers and how just because you test negative today doesn't mean that you're not that you're going to test negative tomorrow. You can even look at the Vice President Mike Pence's press secretary, Katie Miller. One day she's negative, the next day she's positive, and now she has to self-isolate for 14 days. So the fact that the PJ Tour is only going to have a viral test, a diagnostic test once during the week. And then again, if you want to hop on that charter 24 hours in advance, to me, that was underwhelming. And that seemed like that was a a prerequisite, Rex. If you look at every other sports league, what they're saying is we need to test every single day. If you're negative, you can play. If you're positive, you're sitting out and you're isolating. And to me, the PG Tour is falling short of that standard. They're just banking on these social distancing guidelines and other sanitation practices as being enough. And I, and I really don't think it is. Well, first off, it's not every other sports league. As we discussed last week on this very podcast, NASCAR is going to come out, come out, get back to competition before the PGA Tour, about two weeks before the PGA Tour, without testing whatsoever. So they, their decision. Count. Why doesn't it count? They're just sitting, you're, you're they're about just to alienate a cars. huge segment of our audience. You might want to be careful here. They're just sitting in their little cars going left. That NASCAR uh, does not count. I'm I, I'm not even counting the competitors in that mix. I'm more counting. I don't know what happens in a pit crew on, in a NASCAR race, but it seems to me I've watched enough of these races to realize that they're close together. That social distancing is going to be distance uh, going to be difficult, and they're going to run into situations where they can't do their job six feet away from the other guy, and they have chosen not to test for whatever reason. And I question that simply because when you look at how important this is and whoever wants to be the first one back and Will Gray brought this up in in a meeting today between the three of us, it's going to be important to get this right. And you're not going to get everything right. And my argument, my counter to you when you sent me that test text is something I've heard throughout the pandemic. And that's don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And by that, I mean, no, it's not a perfect plan by any stretch of the imagination. And the tour concedes that. This is going to evolve. This is going to change. And as it applies specifically to testing, I think this is one of those things that's going to evolve and change. Because as we stand in our reality right now, there are still a lot of places in the United States that don't have enough testing. So, yes, the PGA Tour is going to go a little light. It's like you and I with our toilet paper now. You you don't really roll it off like you do the roulette wheel anymore. You kind of pick off two or three pieces because you know it's hard to come by. It's going to be the same thing with testing. And I really think that as we get closer to Colonial and as we get further down the road, you know, to that fifth, sixth, seventh event, that suddenly testing will become much more prevalent at a PGA Tour event. And I'm not saying everyone's going to get tested every day, but I think as we get into an area where it's not a shortage anymore, the tour will move to a situation. This was a best case scenario for them. They made the best of a bad situation. And yes, there's plenty of things about this plan that, that I look sideways at. One of them was, and you and I discussed this as well. All right, so they were specifically asked what happens if one person tests positive and that person would be quarantined. And they'd have to stay in position and take multiple tests. And there's a lot of protocols that go into that. They did a very good job with it. The other one, what if two people test positive? What if three? What if four? I can keep going. At what point does the competition become unviable? And you need to stop the competition. You need to pull the plug. There's not an answer for that. And that one, to me, stands out that they're probably going to have to come up with some sort of protocol. 
that if you start running into a situation where multiple players or caddies or officials are testing positive, they're going to have to pull the plug very, very quickly. Yeah, because what's the difference between three players and four players? Why would you decide four players is, is too many but, but not three? Are you waiting until a player in the top ten has to withdraw before you deem that the competition isn't worthy? I, I agree that that's a, that's a really tricky spot. The tour would be wise to put a number on it. They didn't have a number right now. But to me, you have to have a finite number, a definite number that says if X number of players have to withdraw from this tournament – then, then you have to pull the plug on. I, I agree that that's something that they, they didn't have uh, quite nailed down yet. And you, I guess I guess you can over the next couple of weeks, and that's that's why they put it out now. They're going to continue to make some tweaks before uh, the first ball actually goes in the air, June 11th at Colonial. And when, but when you mentioned text, text, testing, Rex, I, I, I think it's important to, to go back to this because this was supposed to be a prerequisite. What is the one thing that you cannot skimp on? You cannot skimp on testing, you have to provide the absolute safest possible environment for these players, caddies, officials, other essential personnel to return. And so if you say that you're not, that you don't want to take away from the supply in the community, which is totally understandable, it'd be horrible uh, public relations wise. Not a good look. To be, to be doing so. However, if you were not at that position and they clearly aren't right now that you can test every single day, to me, it's, it's, it's unsafe to return. Um, the one thing you cannot skimp on is testing, and they're skimping on it. I think they came up with a plan based on what's happening on the ground right now. And again, we all know that testing in certain areas of the country, there are shortages. And you can't come out with a blanket statement today on or May 12th and say that we're going to test anybody on site every single day, and it's going to be in excess of, I think the number they threw out was 400 tests, and that's with one. So you suddenly you times that times seven days and however many people are on site, you're getting into the thousands of tests. That's a problem. That's a bad look. And look, this is about optics as much as it is safety. You can't return until you have it. You can't return until you have it. Well, you keep saying that, but again, NASCAR doesn't seem to have a problem with it. And as, as far as I can tell, the Major League Baseball plan is not going to have testing every single day. And they're still developing their plan. I, I think the PGA Tour... In, in a best-case scenario, you're absolutely right. Testing every single day, everybody on property, keeping the bubble tight, making sure no one strays too far and, and gets in a situation where you could bring something into the bubble, that's the best-case scenario. We're not in a best-case scenario right now. I don't think we're going to be there for quite a while. So the tour has decided that we're going to make the best of this. We're going to give you a good plan, and we're going to be hopeful that we can get to a better plan. Besides testing, is there anything that stands out to you? Um, I, I do think... And I think it's an important point that the onus is really going to be on the players and caddies to not be cavalier about it and to really take this seriously. I think that that starts at the de- as these designated player and caddy hotels where they're going to be prohibited from going to a restaurant or bar just like we would be here in, in Orlando. You, you know, you, we, we can't fill up an occupancy here in Orlando, more than 25%. You got to keep socially distanced and, and go through all of these uh, certain protocols. And so it's up to the players and caddies to abide by that. They can't just say, oh, you know, I think this is overkill. I'm, I'm going to go get a drink. It's it's up to them to follow it and to be strict and to go back to the room and to get room of service and, and to not interact with people who could potentially infect them. That's one point of this. When you get to the actual golf course, having caddies – be tasked with sanitizing every bunker rake or, 
or flag stick that they come into keeping that social distance as much as possible from the players, having the players pull the clubs and return them. The onus is going to be on them as well. And so we talked about on, on this podcast a couple of times, just the prospect of potentially having some volunteers rake the, rake the bunkers or have a volunteer who's standing behind the green. And that's the one who's going to be the task with, with tending the flag stick. I thought that would have been good solutions to those issues, kind of take out that potential threat of transmission. Uh, the PGA tour opted not to do that. And so to me, that seems like a, a rationale. Of we're trying to limit the number of volunteers that we want to have on site. Uh, but to me that that stood out too, that it's really going to be up to the caddies and the players to enforce these rules. It's not like they're going to be policed and you know, you're not going to have roving officials looking to, to make sure players are, are following through. They're not going to have, you know, spies out in restaurants to make sure that, that the players aren't visiting there as well. Well, and I think there's going to be a learning curve for players. And I, I think we've experienced that in our own lives, right? Like, I don't know about you, but the first four weeks we, we locked ourselves in the house. It was like we were in a cave. It was a zombie apocalypse outside and no one was allowed to go anywhere. And that, that held tight. Now that we are more two plus months in, yeah, I'll go to Publix, and I did not have a mask yesterday. I admit it. I know it's wrong. I know you're supposed oh to wear a mask. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. It's it's my wife. Uh, she you're trying to kill people and, with a cough? I am not. Uh, she took my car, and my mask was in my car. We didn't have one in the spare car. Anyway, it, my point is- What about is, a bandana? What am I? A, a Wild West uh, a criminal? Like I, I don't ride I mean, around I've with a, a bandana wrapped around my head. I've got a I've got a golden retriever. We have like twenty different colors. She likes to wear one every single day. She makes it makes her feel pretty, Rex. I have a little tiny dog. It would be like a dress on my dog. So no, I don't have any bandanas. But the point is, is we've kind of relaxed our rules a little bit. And I can see the first event back at Colonial, everyone's going to toe the line. Everyone's going to do exactly what the tour hopes they do and keep everything inside this bubble. My fear is we end up a few weeks down the road, let's say at Memorial, and guys are starting to go to dinner. There's a steakhouse that I love in Columbus. I want to go to dinner there. And that's, I think, where things are going to get sideways. And the tour is going to have to stay on top of this. And Look, this is, like I, I said earlier, this is as much about optics as it is about being safe. And I'm not trying to be cavalier about that. I'm pointing out the obvious, and the tour pointed out the obvious in, in this presentation, that they're going to be the leaders. And they want to be the ones that sort of set the standard in professional sport and say, look, we're trying to do this right. And we want to try our best to make sure we don't mess it up. I'm pretty sure they're going to mess it up simply because there's so many moving parts. I don't know how they get everything right. But again, I'll give them credit. As you pointed out, it's 37 pages. There's a lot involved here. And my guess is there's going to be more added to this before we actually get to Colonial. And I, I would agree. I think Colonial, we're, we're both going to be there assuming PGA Tour credentials as both. And um, I think I think you make a good point that as the schedule wears on, our players going in caddies going to feel more lax because I think the expectation, which is why the PGA Tour set up these charter flights from tournament to tournament, city to city, is that players and caddies are probably going to play a lot of back-to-backs. They're just going to kind of roll through the schedule from city to city. But that is a lot of time to be quarantined. That's a lot of time to be following these rules. I mean, that's potentially 14 to 21 consecutive days of playing exactly by the rules, just going to the golf course, just getting into your rental car or courtesy car, just going to the hotel, just going into your room, just getting room service. I mean, we're, you're, you're human. You, you want to venture out. 
And so I'm, I'm curious to see, I think the first event will be back. I'm curious to see that fourth and fifth event. If, if potentially you start to see a couple more players or caddies who, who get infected and and you just hope that doesn't spiral out of control and and you have an outbreak. No, absolutely. This is not a visual medium, as we all know. However, it's, it's worth pointing out, and I'll, I'll put this on Twitter later in case anyone's interested, and Kaz just chimed in. The lab, it looks like you're in a dentist's office. It's, it's, it's very, very bright-colored walls. I believe that's kind of a bright green, whatever color that is, with bright flowers. I'm very colorblind. I'm not sure. Are you in that? Yeah, trust me, that's green and yellow. Are you in a dentist office? Are you? Yeah, there's even more colors. Look at that. Wow, it's just festive. Were you just going for a different look today? Uh, all right. So, so obviously we're, this is, this is a, a new normal for us, right? We're all, we're all working from home. There's my, there's my cat on the bed. Cat on the bed. So my, my wife, she, she works for state college and things are getting very heated. Things are getting very heated on a downstairs zoom call. And we do not have a door that separates our upstairs and downstairs. And so her, her diatribes were, were coming in hot and they were coming in loud wrecks. And so to, re- to record this podcast, we need to we need the the ambient noise to be at a minimum, and so I am holed up in one of uh, the bedrooms upstairs. Uh, the cat is right next to me; he's loving life. But but yes, there is a very uh, South Florida theme to this room. I'm colorblind, but you are right; it is it is absolutely bright in here. My my in laws are from Delray Beach, which is in South Florida, uh, Boca area, and so it's very on, much man. themed is very much themed South Florida. So I, I will, I will let them know that you're not a fan of the decor. I'm, sure, it, I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure my mother-in-law will take that well. No, no, no. It looks like you're in Boca Grande. Number one. It, it, that's exactly what it looks that's, like. You're that's in, the vibe we're going for. Very, very tropical yeah. here in the Lavender house. Uh, we can spend a lot of time on the comeback plan. I'm sure we'll talk about it in future weeks, but it, I don't want your wife's zoom call to be more edgy than this podcast. So I'm going to move to something. Speaking, that I speaking think, of edgy, what, is that, is that your dog barking? That yeah, Tito? that's Tito. Yeah, he's very fired up about something. I'm sure he wants to get to the, the meaty part of this discussion as well. Uh, here's something that I thought, again, I think we're probably going to disagree with this because Brooks Kepka was on Golf Central this week and he said he would rather not play a Ryder Cup if there weren't any fans there. I mean, I tend to agree that if you look at all of the events in a, you know, in a, in a bubble, Colonial, okay, play it without fans. Memorial, play it without fans. I can keep going down the line. I really don't want to play the Ryder Cup of the Masters without fans. I don't feel like that's going to be right. However, don't we all just have an obligation to, to do our part, and that's for him? Go out and play three or four matches, even if there's no fans there. I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to fly up. I'm going to cover it. Not that I particularly want to do that. In this, doesn't he have some sort of obligation is my point. There's a difference, Rex, between rather not and will not. Absolutely. He didn't say that, I, and I said rather. He, he, didn't, he did not say that he was going to stay home while the rest of the, the 12 best Americans go up to things straights and, and try to win back the cup. He said he'd rather not. I think if you pulled every single potential player who's going to be playing in the Ryder Cup, of course, you would rather not play. If, if given a choice, you would rather not play the Ryder Cup without fans. You'd rather just postpone it to, to next year and, and have the full-throated American support behind you and kind of pr- propel you to victory. But we might be at a situation here where that's just not feasible. You, you look at the... I think just strictly financial aspect. And, and Padre Carrington brought this up. He's a, he's a very smart guy. He's thought through all the scenarios. He's clearly been uh, in, these, in these meetings and had these discussions. And you could make the case, yeah, we want to do it for the greater good of the sport and, and give a showcase and you know, this is a time to be unified and all this. That's great. And I totally agree with that. But the financial reality is that the European tour might not survive 
if you don't get this financial windfall of having the Ryder Cup and having that showcase whistling streets in late September. That's just the reality of the situation. Just punting it one year would decimate the European tour, which which really relies tournament every two years. That's just the financial reality of the situation. And so players as Padraig Harrington, they might just have to take one for the team and play this one without fans. Uh, no, I agree. And look, I, I equate this to, and I will admit, and this is not something I'm very, very proud of, that I have woken up early the last few mornings to watch Korean baseball. And it's very, very early, and, and I turn it on because it's live sports. And there's no fans there, obviously, and they're talking about players that I've never heard of. It, it doesn't seem to bother me. And it seems to have struck a chord that I'm watching live sports. It doesn't matter if fans are there or not. I think I don't want it to become the new norm in golf. I would like to think by the time we get to the Ryder Cup, I'd like to think by the time we get to the PGA Championship later this summer that we'll, uh, that some sort of fans will be allowed back on property. But I think moving forward, we could probably do this. And again, it's not a best-case scenario, but I th- think we could probably do this. I pointed out almost, the PGA. It's almost a worst-case scenario. For for a for a Ryder no. Cup, I mean, I look, I, I I totally get it. I do not need to have fans at the Charl at the Charles Schwab Challenge, even even if I wasn't on site covering. I think just watching at home, just having any sort of live PJ Tour action, would be great. But the Ryder Cup, the fans make that event. You can you can dolly up the course all you want to to suit the home team, but it's the home crowd that's really giving you the advantage. It's the home crowd that's the thirteenth player. Odd. And so to, to eliminate that advantage and to have an experience, just say it's your one and only Ryder Cup in your entire career, I feel like it'd be a disservice to those players to, to have an experience that wasn't what everyone else is going to be able to enjoy. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. And I think you're absolutely right. However, going forward, I think, again, I hate to keep falling back on this, the new norm. And if we get to the fact, to the idea that we get there, it's going to be surreal because right now it's scheduled the week after the U.S. Open. And I think that would, wouldn't quite feel right. I'm not quite sure how the qualifying process is going to go. But you factor all these things in. If we get to a position where we feel comfortable sending two teams out, no. I, I, I'm not going to enjoy it as much as I would under normal circumstances. I'm still going to be excited to go to Whistling Straits. And it's still going to be a Ryder Cup in my mind. Finances and everything that goes into that aside. Now, I did also wanted to touch on this would have been – the week of the PGA championship. And I, I had a chance to talk with Kerry Haig, who's their top setup man. And the one thing I found interesting that he told me is, and we're, we're going down weeks and weeks of the summer. And once we get towards the end of the summer, you feel like we'd be in a better place. But he explained to me that you would have, they have a plan A and a plan A1. One would be with fans and one would be without fans. And so as the conversation went on, I asked him, is there a plan B? And you can see where I was going here. And he conceded that, yes, there's a plan B to actually play it somewhere else. If you were a betting man, which you are not because you don't quite understand gambling, as we've already established in many podcasts, but if you were a betting man, would you bet that we are going to have that PGA championship at Harding Park later this summer or it's going to be somewhere else? I, if I were a betting man, I think you'd get better odds – of having a PJ championship at TPC Harding Park, but without fans. I think that's the I think that's the the top option right now. Second would be moving it to a, to an alternative venue. And to me, that alternative venue is a is a slam dunk in, in that it'd be Valhalla. I mean, that's really what that course is made for, for for these types of contingency plans. You can you can erect um 
infrastructure you would need there quickly, that it's a championship test, ready to go. Pizza Tour headquarters would have no trouble uh, shifting there for, for a remote week. But, but to me, Rex, I, I still think TPC Harding Park, without fans, um, is, is still a, a strong possibility. We're going to have, what, two months of PGA Tour action to see how life goes for these players with nine events, yeah, not with not having spectators before you get to that first major championship. I think I think the blueprint is going to be there for having a major championship, but without fans. I I, I don't see I don't see a situation where you're going to have fans uh, in San Francisco for that major championship. All right, before we let you and your cat go from your floral room of, of, of a dentist office. Uh, we do have live golf this weekend and I am excited Thank about God. that. Rory Thank DJ God. versus Ricky and Matt Wolf, Oklahoma state guys. I'm sure you're going to go that route. It's Sunday at 2 PM Eastern time. That's live on NBC golf channel, NBC sports network, really anywhere you want to watch golf. It's going to be live. It's going to be a skins game. There's a lot of moving parts to it. I don't expect you to break it down. We've established you're not really a gambling man, but who's going to win? I think Seminole's going to win. Seminole is uh, going to win. Yeah, that's just because it'd be an absolute showcase for that for that gem. Um, and so, why why did you why did you say that you thought I was going to go with the Oklahoma State guys? Just curious. You're a bit of a college homer. It, it kind of it's in your roots. You a can't, college you can't homer. Get away. It's why I block you every NCAA championship. It's not that I don't like the NCAA championship. It's not that I don't like college golf. It's I don't like the way you go on and on and on about college golf. I mean, Roy's had a pretty successful career without going. Without going to college, although what was he committed to? East, was he East Tennessee State? Was he? Like I did not know yeah, that. I think, I think he was committed to East Tennessee State, somewhere in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I think it was East Tennessee State. Anyway, uh, very good. I'm I'm not an idiot. I'm going with with Roy and DJ to win this one. I do I do think it'll be close though. Ricky Ricky tends tends to thrive in these sorts of chummy environments. I think I think Matt Wolf has has something to prove. But going against Rory and DJ in this type of format on a golf course they know very, very well, uh, to me, would be foolish. I, uh, I have been fortunate enough, and this is the humble brag. You can throw me under the bus right now. I've been fortunate enough to play Seminole, and I can say that it's not exactly a course that I would say, yes, a bomber is going to do great here because that's not the way it, it usually works. And you put DJ and Roy on a team, you would think, yes, they're just going to pound their way. Have you ever seen Matt to- Wolf play golf? Uh, yes, he's a bomber as well, I understand. And Ricky's not hitting it Ricky's not short short by any stretch of the imagination however I'm just looking at sort of the optics of of what we have going on here however I I would like to be able to give Matt Wolf and Ricky a, a little bit of an edge a little bit of love here but Rory's dad is a member there Rory plays Seminole a lot he knows that golf course as you well think, as anybody you think, so you think Jerry McElroy is the is the x-factor here he is. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> DJ's not driving across Juno Beach to play it. I mean, he's got his own place. It's fine. And I don't even know how much Rory actually plays with his dad there. But his dad's going to tell him exactly where to hit it on every shot. So we do have live golf. Enjoy that. We'll be uh, back in the same position next week. Hopefully, Lab will find a room. That's not a little in bit the floral more, room. That's a little bit more, I don't know how to say this, manly? No? Wow. Is that I'm not telling one? my mother-in-law. All right. See you next week. This was Golf Central Podcast presented by TaylorMade.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.